Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome in to a Tuesday edition of the J.P. Peterson Show here, live from our Orlando studios here. We've got it all mixed up for you. We've got the man cave all set up here, bro. Looking good, feeling good. Um, we got lots to get to today. Got a great show for you. Uh, we are going to chat with Scott Reynolds from the Pewter Report. I haven't chatted with him since training camp started, so we'll catch up with Scotty at 10.30. 11 o'clock, T.J. Reeves will join us. He spent the weekend in Vegas at all the big fights. So we'll talk with him about bucks and fights and all kinds of stuff. And Kurt Weiler from the Osceola and Rivals Network covering Florida State will get us up to date on the Knowles possibly moving to the Big Ten. Man, my phone was just blowing up yesterday. Like, is this true? Is this going to happen? I'm like, haven't we talked about this on the show before? Yes, they're headed to the Big Ten. They're not going to the SEC. This is the, the obvious move for Florida State. Now, when it happens, I don't know, but we'll find out from Kurt Weiler. So lots to get to today. We got Rays to talk about after a big win over the Yankees. Aaron Boone still a moron. Um, it's a good day. It's a good day in Tampa Bay. I'll say good morning to you, Nick Geddes from On Three Sports, my co-host. What's happening down there in our St. Pete studio? Well, I wore my Rays shirt today because it is a glorious, glorious day for your Tampa Bay Rays. Beating up on those Yankees, hitting four home runs in their own ballpark. We broke them yesterday. We broke Aaron Boone. Yankees Twitter is having a meltdown once again. They got. Did a, I hear some boos last night? I, I heard, I heard the, some boos the, last the night. The boo birds were out and about, man. The boo birds were out and about. Like you said, a very perplexing move. The whole Domingo Herman thing. Can't really wrap my head around that one. And then, of course, the Rays. Let's not bury the lead. No. Go out and acquire a front line, another front line starter to add to this absolutely nasty rotation, which you saw last night with Tyler Glasnow once again, who looks elite, mm-hmm. by the way. Go out, and get, go out and get an arm, Aaron Savali, which I'm very excited about. I know we're going to dive into that as well. So this was a good, good and a great day for the Tampa Bay Rays, dare I say, yesterday. It really was. Um, and I, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic. And again, I, I, we, I know we've been talking about adding a starter for quite some time. Um, it's, it's, it was a must, but, 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 but would I have rather had Paul Goldschmidt? Yes. Yes, I would have. Uh, I just, we just, we got a poll out there about the, uh, the addition of Aaron Savale. And I said, I, you know, meh, I would have liked somebody else. I, I like the move. Um, Savale's a great addition. We got control over him for the next couple of years. You know, a great, you know, that, that'll keep us cheap. The payroll low, right? Woo! Everybody gets really excited about that. Ooh, our payroll's low. What does that ever win you? Like, what, what does that do for you as a, as a fan base? Why do people get excited about that? I, I, well, I, frankly, I don't really care what the guy makes. I just know that he, I just look at the numbers and what he's done. And the fact of the yeah. matter is, starting pitchers with at least 75 innings this season, there's only one man who has the lowest ERA in baseball. His name is Aaron Savali. And he now pitches for your Tampa Bay Rays. And he steps into this rotation as your number four option, further strengthening what is already perhaps the best one, two, three in the American League. Now you have the best one, two, three, four in the American League, in a rotation that I think is a World Series caliber rotation. I don't think anybody should debate that. And also for the price they got him, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. 
I have no problem giving up a Kyle Manzardo. I know he came on last year. He stalled a little bit at AAA, but the Rays are loaded all of a sudden at first base and third base down in the minors. When you think of Meade, Kaminaro, Xavier Isaac, our first-round pick, who if you've been paying attention to the Charleston River Dogs, like I have lately, he's crushing it down there. So in our gen- and Jonathan Aranda and yeah the Charleston River Dogs and Jonathan Aranda as well who hit his 19th home run the other night and continues to be on a blistering pace and they view him as a first baseman mind you and it'd be a good idea to get him up and get Yandy off his feet as well at first base so they already loaded yes, with talent yes. so the way I look at it is you gave up a prospect who was already blocked by a few other guys to get another frontline starter to this rotation to help. That's the way I view it. You didn't have to give anything else up. I thought this was a very savvy move by your Tampa Bay Rays, and a guy that I didn't think was available because the Guardians are in like a game out of the Twins or something like that in the AL Central, and they're trading yeah. major pieces to their roster, which I'm a little perplexed by that one. But their loss is the Rays' gain. I thought this was a savvy, savvy move, and I'll give it an A. I give it a solid A for the addition. It's a great addition. There's no question about it. Manzardo, look, we, we don't have an established – Yandy Diaz is a is a really good hitter, no question about it. He's not a natural first baseman, right? He's not a natural he, – he, he's, you know, he's not bad. He's not terrible, but he's not a natural first baseman. I'm not, you know, thrilled about trading a, a first baseman prospect like that. But you got to give up something to get something. Exactly. I get that. And this is something that was desperately needed. And I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. In fact, I would be happy if at some point the Rays gave Shane McClanahan a rest. Um, you know, as we see his velo going down a little bit, he just hadn't been the same guy. We saw the same thing about this point last year. Wouldn't be a bad idea for him to pull a hammy a little bit, you know, go, go on a 10-day DL, uh, IL, whatever. Um, be fine with me. And you have it now. You have an extra arm here that you can start eating innings. And I thought it was interesting. I was watching uh, um, ESPN this morning, and they had a little interesting graphic. According to their fan graphs, the Rays have a fifty-four percent chance of winning the AL East, as opposed to the Orioles, who have a thirty-three percent chance. And that's simply because of the schedule that remains. The Orioles' schedule is much harder than yep. the Rays, according to to fan graphs. So that's that's interesting. Um, and I think it is important to win the division, by the way. I think it's very yes. important to win the division. You don't want to be involved in the wild card stuff. That's just, you know, it's just. You would have, you'd have to play the Astros right now. Right. And you, I just well, don't, don't like no that. Part. I don't like that matchup in the first round. I just don't. No. No, you don't like that matchup. So stay out of that business. And, and I think it's imperative that they win the division. And in order to win the division, they got to go get a bat. They got to go get a bat. And I, I was reading that Paul Goldschmidt is, is, is available. The Cardinals are not pulling him back. They're, that talks have intensified, according to the, you know, the folks that really know about this stuff. The Rays are one of the teams that are interested in getting him. I think the Orioles are also on that list, by the way. The Orioles, by the way, also in on uh, Verlander, right. if I'm not mistaken. So that would be – and they need to, you know, they need to bolster their rotation. There's no question about that. Uh, and I think they will. I think they might, they'll make a move today to, to get a frontline starter. Now, if they add Verlander, um, you know they're adding. You know that, that's that's a bit of a, that could be a bit of an albatross. They, they're, that's that's eating ninety two million dollars over the next two years because if he pitches one hundred forty innings next year, yeah, his bonus kicks in. So that's a you know that's a lot of money. But the Orioles, uh, believe it or not, their payroll is a notch below the Rays. So they're saying, oh, you know what? We don't care. We're going to add payroll because people forget. 
And, you know, I was reading the Romano column today, and once again, there's a line in there. You know, great that they have control of Savali because they're a low-revenue team that has to keep payroll manageable. God, I'm so tired of hearing that bullshit. It's unbelievable. They, they are not a low-revenue – well, compared to other teams – they might be a little bit lower revenue. Their expenses are nil. They don't pay for a stadium. They make tons of money. He's sitting on five hundred million dollars that he took out from the from the uh, the advance payment for the for the new regional TV deal. They do not. They are not a low revenue team. They have tons of money they can spend if they want to spend it. Why don't you print that every every now and then just to remind people? Okay, um, but they won't. This is a team that has the money to go spend, but they refuse to spend it. Refuse to spend it. And why not? Goldschmidt, you can have him for next year at $22 million. You know, sounds like a lot of money, but where the Rays are right now, 27th in payroll, still $90 million below the league average, below the league average. You told me you were going to spend money at the deadline. This is, it's a great deal. You didn't spend any money. This guy makes $2.3 million. He's going to make $866,000 the rest of the year. He's going to probably – he's got two more years of arbitration. He might make $5 million next year at most. So you're still not spending any money. Go out and spend some money and get a big bopper. Every I see teams all over the league that are adding, adding hitters. What are the Rays doing? You can't be serious. You can't be serious that this offense is going to carry you to a World Series championship. You can't be serious. I don't care if you hit four home runs last night. You can't be serious. For the last two and a half months, your offense has been terrible. The same offense that you had last year. I got last season and three months of this, two and a half months of this season to tell me that this offense is not good enough. It's okay. It gets hot every now and then, but it's not good enough for championship baseball. So if they don't add a big bopper, and I'm not, I'm not talking about David Peralta, then I, I don't think they, I don't think they're serious about winning a World Series. They're not serious. And yes, you're going to have to give up some prospects. I don't know what the Cardinals are asking for, but let I, I would certainly entertain giving up a top prospect to get Goldschmidt, which would give you a great opportunity this year and next year, two years, with this rotation to be serious about winning a World Series. If the Rays are serious, they'll go out and get Goldschmidt or someone like that that makes money, and they'll retain Tyler Glass now for next year at $25 million. If they're serious... If they say if they if they're going to follow through on what they've said they're going to do in terms of spending money, then I want to see that. And if they do it, I'll I'll be floored. I'll be absolutely floored. And if they don't, they're not serious about it. They're fooling you, folks. Well, well, I mean, let's. They still got till six p.m. tonight to see if something happens. Um, a Goldschmidt, I think that's almost a dream at this point. I just that's such a why, why, why. I don't know. I, I just can't see the Cardinals. Why not? I just can't see the Cardinals making that big of a move. It's not the Rays. It's more of the Cardinals that I can't see making a big move like that and truly blowing up their core, including Paul Goldschmidt. That's just kind of the way I feel about it, and I feel like that's how a lot of teams are feeling. Like the hitters that are coming off the market, like you're seeing, like Scherzer was moved and Verlander might be moved. Like hitters are a lot different. Like who's the best hitter that's been moved so far at the deadline? Who's the best hitter that's been moved? A lot of the best hitters are almost off the market right now. Well, there's still some available. I don't care who's been moved and where they've I mean, I threw, I, threw you, I threw you some of the names out yesterday, like the ones at Seattle. And now I think it's interesting, the Rays, if you, if you paid attention to the reports yesterday, before they went and got Aaron Savali, they called Seattle. 
and they were look they were sniffing around at some of their young pitchers, which I kind of already had said earlier or yesterday on the show that there was the report earlier that Seattle did not want to move their young guys. So clearly the Rays, you know, they pivoted and went to go get Aaron Savali instead. Instead of, you know, a Logan Gilbert or, you know, uh, a George Kirby, some of the guys they probably really wanted ahead of Savali over there in Seattle. But they got Savali, and like I said, it was a great deal. The whole thing about the spending the money, I'm going to be honest with you. I think for what they have in Aaron Savali compared to some of the other deals that have been made for starting pitchers, and I'm going to look at the other three, that the big three, Giolito, Scherzer, and Lance Lynn. Those three guys netted, a, I think, a more substantial return in some respects than what Cleveland got for Savali, and that's still with the fact that the Rays have control over him. I think that's a really big thing for the Rays. Whether you like it or not, a big thing for them is having team control over these guys for the next few seasons. The other three pitchers who got moved, the other three pitchers so, that got so moved can make are money. just rentals. So they can make money. Well, who cares? I don't give a shit if they make money. I want them to win. But I'm telling you, I like Aaron I'm, Savali. I'm telling I like you, Aaron Savali think... for what he is as a pitcher. It's a great move, and the only reason I'll say that it's good that they has control over him, so they can go pay somebody like Paul Goldschmidt. But they're not going to do it because all they care about is making freaking money and fooling people like you that think that they're in it to win a World Series because they're not. Well, I will say this: I think that this offense, this offense, in my opinion. And it's very streaky. It's been very streaky this year, okay? That's fair. With the pitching they have in the starting rotation and the pitching they have in the bullpen, which has been, I would say, great over the last two months, I think that's fair. And they've made it, and let's give them credit, they've made additions to the bullpen. Bob Stevenson, he's nasty. He's been great since they they got him up here, right? And that was a trade they made. Zach Littell was the guy they got off waivers. He's been really, really good since they got him. You count that as a move. Jake Diekman has been fantastic since they got them. You add I that have as no a problem move. With they've the made, they've essentially made four or five moves the throughout the. Fi- but that's who, great. great. I, listen, I would love you to see them go get without, a, without hitting in the I, postseason. Hold up, hold up. I would love to see them go get a hitter as well. I'm just saying, I think they view it this way, and in some respects, I view it this way as well. The pitching is so far superior, in my opinion. Their starting rotation and their bullpen is so much more far superior than the other teams in the AL as a whole that they think they can get by with the offense that they have, and that's the recipe here. They're wrong. You know what? Exhibit A, last year. They pitched great against Cleveland. They They were fantastic against Cleveland. They did. Bye-bye. They did. Can't score a run in 15 innings. You're, You're gone with this offense. You want to go see that again? Fine, I'm not interested. I don't think I. I truly, but I don't think the offense is exactly the same. It's not the same offense as last year. The and I'll give you a couple examples. Was Josh Lowe doing what he's doing now last year? The answer is no. Was Luke Rayleigh? Was Luke Rayleigh doing what he does this year? Was he doing that last year? No. Isak Paredes, who by the way is on track to hit 30 home runs, like I said at the beginning of the year, he's been fantastic for your Rays in the middle of the order. Is he the same player this year as he was last year? No. He's substantially Better. Yandy Diaz is substantially better. You're seeing good look signs that Awander getting going. Brelau's on his hot streak. Randy's got to get going. They have guys in the lineup. I'm not going to sit here and say this is a this is a terrible lineup or something like that. At its best, and when they score four runs, by the way, they are 56 and 18 when they score four plus runs. And more often than not, your but pitching Nick, is going to stay Nick, under that. They can't score four runs. They can't score four runs in the playoffs. We saw that last year, even against Cleveland. That was last they year. 
Yeah, but the, it, this is a regular this season was a different team. team. This was a different team about, than the one last all year. All the stuff you're talking about is regular season, where you're where you're facing thirty percent of the elite pitching that you're going to face in the playoffs. When you get in the playoffs, it's elite pitching. This team fails against elite pitching. Just look at last night when Herman's not even elite, but when he came in, it was lights out. So listen, I I saw all last year, and I've seen the last two months. That's who these guys are offensively. Average at best. At best. If they don't add a significant hitter, they ain't doing squat in the playoffs, and they're probably not going to win the division. Because guess what? The, the Orioles are going to go out and spend money. Because they know have they, they got a chance. Have they? How do, you, how do you have confidence they are? This is the well, same team that was tanking for like four years in a row and won 50 games two years let, ago. Let, let's, let's wait and see after 6 o'clock today. And if the Rays go out and do something, I'll be the first one to applaud. Who's to say they can't? The they, they, they acquired, like I said, they acquired a frontline starter with team control for the next two seasons, and they only yeah. had to give up one prospect who was blocked by a lot of other guys. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad still, move. They, I'm still, but I'm saying, saying they, they still have flexibility. More. They still have flexibility to make another move if they okay. want to. Go do it. Go do it. Show me. Go do it. Well, we'll see you at. You got till six o'clock. Let's go. Let's you got go. till six o'clock to see. And I'm what not happens. even saying. But I'm I don't think. I don't think you should. Be, because I don't Meander's think. out there making deals, and Stu's probably sitting there going, you know, counting his money, going, no, 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 no. So let's. Well, let's all I'm saying happens. is, if it's not a Paul Goldschmidt, I don't think you should be that disappointed. If it's not as something as big as that, I. I, I, mean, I <laughs> this is why I'm being so. Because uh, I know Stu's watching, and he's going to do this just to spite me. So in the end, I'm going to get what I want. <laughs> I'm either going to be right or get what I want. So I'm going to win by tomorrow. Either way, I'm either going to get Paul Goldschmidt or a big hitter, or I'm going to be right. So either way, I win. But thanks, Stu. Yeah, I know, I know how you work. <laughs> I know how you work. Jeremy, hey, Jeremy says trade for Longo, question mark. Well, he's on the injured list, so he can't be traded. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, there will be no Longo reunion this year. But... But no, I mean, I don't know. I think just in the grand scheme of things, like I said, I love the move yesterday. They still have the flexibility to go make another one if they like. Um, I don't get caught up on the money because I think the deal that they made yesterday, I think is a better deal than what the Rangers did for Scherzer. I think it's a better better deal than what the Angels did for Giolito. And I think it's a better deal than what the Dodgers did for Lance Lynn. I would agree. I would agree with all that. Great job. You made a good deal. Now go out and complete the team. Um all right, uh, let's get into some other things here because we got. Uh, we'll, we'll talk, we're going to talk a lot of bucks today with Scott Reynolds at ten thirty, TJ Reeves at eleven. So I want to get into a little bit about the game last night as well. Um, great job by by Glass now. Uh, seven innings, three hits, uh, eight strikeouts. Um, he, you know, he's the key. He's the key to this whole thing. If he can stay healthy, and, and you know, obviously McClanahan as well, we got a great shot at, at doing what we need to do. Um, and your boy Brandon Lau with a big home run last night. Let's listen up. If you got that ready to go, yeah. Let me cue the uh, the Brandon Lau home run, who was on a absolute heater. Um, this was a fastball by Johnny Brito. Yes. And Mr. Brandon Lau did not miss it. Not Domingo Herman. It was not Domingo Herman. It was Johnny Brito instead. <laughs> and here was the home run from uh, your boy Brandon Lau. And he sends a fly ball into right field. Pretty well tagged. Stanton's going to go to the wall, and that one is gone. Home run for Brandon Lau. Lau hit one in Houston yesterday. A two-run shot. And he gets the Rays on the board early tonight. 
with a two-run blast. His 14th home run, and the Rays grab a 2-0 lead. So that's, what, five home runs in his last 16 games. Yes. He's, you know, the dog is getting hot, finally. And he's not striking uh, out. As much as, if you, since he's come back from the injured list, he's actually not striking out that much. So he's clearly made an adjustment there. Yeah, finally. That's good. <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep it going. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'd rather, I'd rather see Brandon Lau heat up in August and September than heat up in May and June. I'm not trying to excuse. Right. I'm not trying no, to excuse the, uh, the 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 two months that he was extremely ice cold by any means. And listen, I've had my battles with Brandon Lau, where I'm in on Brandon Lau and then I'm out on Brandon Lau, and he gives you hope because I know in Brandon Lau, the the 39 home run guy is still there. The guy that's finished in the top 10 in MVP voting two consecutive seasons in 2020 and 2021, it's in there. I just wish yeah. I saw it more consistently is all. Right. And in the postseason. And in the postseason where he's been an absolute albatross. Right. Um, so good win last night. Um, is the cat, does Cat Cash talk about in the post about Savali as well? You want to listen to that? I think he does as well. I think he does, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't post the uh, Neander a uh, little presser that he gave where he had his quotes, but let's listen to Kevin Cash from last night. All right, Kevin, some early runs, not letting your foot off the gas pedal offensively, and then a phenomenal performance from Tyler Glass now. Just how would you sum up this one? Good win, big win. Uh, you know, something to build off for, to be able to get out of Houston the way we did and then come in here and play really, really well. Clean baseball for the most part. Um, Glass now is really good. Always nice. Brandon comes up, hits a home run. Wander tacks another one on. The home runs kept coming from Isak and J-Lo. Um, highlight certainly Glass. Yeah, Glass now, three consecutive starts now, seven in. Has he just hit his stride with that efficiency? Yeah, I mean, I don't recall him doing that in the past with us. I don't know if that's the first time that to, to get there, but he is. He's super efficient and super pretty dominant. I mean, when you go through a whole outing and there's only one pitch you want back, and I think it was probably the breaking ball to Bowers, you got to be really pleased with yourself. Brandon Lau said he's been watching video from 2020 and 2020 run 21, which we know what we saw from him there. What's the difference you're seeing from him this past couple weeks? He does look similar to that form for sure. Uh, I know the home run was big. Might be just as encouraging that he hit, drove that ball to left center like he did. When Brandon's at his best, he can hit balls out of the ballpark to anywhere. I'm shocked that that ball did not get out, but uh, happy for Brandon. Not, not to like over-dramatize, but did it feel and look a little bit more like you were playing earlier in the season with a bunch of different guys contributing, getting yeah. four balls? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it did feel that way and want it to continue to feel that way. And then Glass, now what is working so much, you think? Um... I mean, it's, it's just he, he's in the zone constantly. He's throwing strikes. The hitters have to go up there and respect that he's going to throw a strike from pitch one. Uh, he's working ahead of everybody, and when you have that type of stuff and complement it with the strike throwing, he's putting himself in a spot to have some really deep outings. Like Wanders maybe refound something a little bit. Wanted to see results. He's yeah. putting them together. Uh, I do, and said you know told him today that he had a really good series for us in Houston. Um, you know it can motivate you playing these types of teams, and I feel like he's you know, the intent behind his swings. You know today looking to drive a couple pitches, uh, so happy for him as well. A little bit of a concern there with Yandy for a minute. You know what? Not overly concerned. I mean, we'll always be concerned when he grimaces like that, but he's going to have to manage this, and he knows that, I think, probably the rest of the way. Uh, ideally, you know, if there's times to get him DH or, you know, if we've got some off days coming, that'll help, but he wants to be in there. 
strange at all thinking Herman got scratched, then he comes out of the bullpen, or do you know that was actually on the table? Uh, no, I didn't know, but I mean, they, they gave us plenty of heads up that Brito is going to start, so no. <laughs> what was that? So I'm listening to Aaron Boone, and he said that they scratched Herman because he. <laughs> Because of armpit discomfort. Armpit discomfort. That's Never. a good one. <laughs> armpit discomfort. Then he said he threw off the mound around 6 o'clock and was fine. Was fine. Right. How, how do you not start him then? I thought I, I, I thought Aaron Boone was trying to be like Kevin Cash and, and, try, to out, and try to be one of those smart managers, you know. But, exactly. he's, but he's really not. That's just the way I kind of viewed that one. It's just a perplexing move. Over a yeah. pitcher who I thought has really had the raised number the last few times you faced him, and then you go with you know the youngster Johnny Brito instead, and you know he's got some nasty stuff. I saw that in glimpses last night, but yeah, clearly yeah. the Rays had no problem hitting it. You know, hit four home runs off the guy, and you know that just kind of doesn't it just kind of sums up who the Yankees are. They're well, just it so does. They're just dysfun- so they're dysfunctional. They're so dead in the water. There's just there's no hope for the Yankees. There's yeah. no hope, and I take so much joy that at the trade deadline the Rays get to play them. And just yeah. get to let them know where they stand. Last place I, I in the it. AL East. I absolutely love it. Love it. And then he comes back and says, and then we, and then Herman said he was okay and wanted to pitch. So he goes out there and pitch and pitches five great innings against right. the Rays. But it's too late by that time. And the Rays pitching was fantastic. But Booney, I think you're right. I think he's like, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna That's throw an opener at him when they're not expecting it, and uh, we get him off balance, and then I'll bring in Herman. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, damage already done, you knucklehead. Golly. Yeah. And by the way, a couple a note real quick on, on the offense that you're not sold on, by the way. And maybe I'm not I don't even know how I really feel about it. I'm not trying to excuse the last two months of the season, but I just wanted to feel good about the Rays today. Because I've had a lot of negativity and I think rightfully earned towards this team. I mean, it's the first time they've won in back to back days, if you can believe it, since June. They, they've gone, they just went a whole month without winning in back-to-back days, okay? So wow. not everything wow. was always rosy, but I'm trying to enjoy it a little bit today. They made a great move. They've won, they've won three of their last four against the Astros and the Yankees, two teams that we despise. So I'm trying to enjoy it a little bit. But Isak Paredes last night, and I don't know if we talk about him enough, he took the lead yesterday for the Rays in home runs. I believe he leads this team in RBIs as well. And for you not thinking they have enough hitting, I'm just going to point this out here, and the numbers are the numbers. WRC plus, a great way to, to judge a hitter and all those things. Obviously, the number one player in the American League is Otani, and that's not going to change. But you know who's number two and three on that who's list that? in the entire American League? Yandy Diaz, followed by Isak Paredes. The Rays have two of the top three hitters in the American League at this moment. So yeah. what is that their, say? And where's their offense? overall offense ranked? In that number, in runs, the Rays... In run, I don't give a shit about WRC plus. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Runs scored over the last two months, two and a half months. Where do they rank? They're towards the bottom. They're the bottom of the American League. Towards the bottom. They're the bottom of the with after a ridiculous start. Everybody caught up to them, uh, and and now here we are. This is the reality of who they are. And and by the way, as if you don't know, I don't care about your mental happiness. I care about being objective. Well, about you this. know what? They're still, they're still, number, they're still number two in the American streak. League. They're Don't still number two. 
blow out the candles. They're still number two in the American League in runs. They're still number two in the American League and over runs. the last two months, two and a half months. Where are they? The entire season. The entire I'm talking season. Talking about the last two and a half months, which yes, is who I they understand are. they're towards the bottom, but they yes. are number two in the American League in the grand scheme of things over the course of the season and runs, and they are number two in the American League in pitching. Was a myth. It was a myth. Twenty nine and seven. Enjoy it. That was fun. That's when you had your birthday cake, and you can feel good about the way we're all feeling good. I listen. I want this team to win a World Series. I'm tired of all the bull crap. I want a World Series. And they're, they have a team that can do it if they just add one big piece. Look at what everybody else is doing. You think this team can compete with the Rangers right now and the Astros? They can't. They can't. What if the, you the know Astros it. are doing They nothing. may not even be able to compete with the Orioles. They've got to do something. This is the same shit they do every year. They give you a little bit of hope, play meaningful games in September. He cashes his checks and moves on. I'm tired of it. You're so, Put your you're money so where your effing mouth you're so, is. so negative today. You're so negative. The Rays are going to catch the Orioles of the American League East. I'm just going to put that out there right now because the Orioles don't have the Orioles do not have the front line starting pitching, in my opinion, to hold up when we get to the meaningful games which begin tonight that, in August might, and September. They might after today. If we'll they go see. and get Vern, hey, we'll real see. quick before we get to Scott Reynolds and we go all bucks because we're going to go bucks, bucks, bucks here in a little bit. Um, the FSU to the Big Ten, and Kurt Weiler uh, from the Osceola is going to join us here at 1130. Um, spoke to some people. There's a, um, a Board of Trustees emergency meeting that has been scheduled for tomorrow. This is real. This is, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of smoke here, folks. I don't know if it's going to happen right now. There's a lot of legal BS that's going back and forth. Um, I, as we told you a couple of months ago, uh, I spoke to some people that were looking at the grant and rights deal that the, the the Knowles have with the ACC, and they told me at that time that they feel there are some legitimate loopholes in how it has been administered. There's a nice article out there about how the, the, the FSU was defrauded by the ACC in terms of their grant of rights. You can read that. I'll, I'll retweet it. It's a very interesting article. And basically, they're having, they've, they've been trying to make the case to the league that, look, we're going – we're going to make a move here, and we have legal standing to do it. I think they feel like they're at that point right now, but if they're actually pulling the trigger, um, we'll see. But and, and I don't think it's an SEC thing. We've been telling you this for a long time. It, it seems like culturally, obviously, FSU would be better than the SEC, but frankly, the SEC doesn't need FSU in terms – they wouldn't add anything more to – to their southeastern footprint, right? They already own the southeast in terms of television homes, which is where much, most of the money comes from. But for the Big Ten, it's a huge it's a huge upgrade for them to gain the state of Florida, especially with a program like FSU that's on the rise. That makes economic sense. And as we always say here at the show, follow the money. So I think this FSU to the Big Ten thing is real. I'm not saying it's done. But I think there's it's, it's very very real, and unless it, and, and FSU may be using this to get more concessions from the SC, ACC to get a bigger a slice of the pie because they deserve it, frankly. Then uh, you know Wake, Wake Forest getting the same amount of money, to, you know media money as FSU is a joke. So uh, this is how these things work. It's a power play. Well, they're either going to get the money from the ACC or they're going to move to the Big Ten. So we shall see how it all turns out. But there's definitely something there. Kurt Weiler is going to join us uh, coming up at 1130 to give us more on that. Uh, the United States women's national team almost 
choked last night against Portugal. They didn't even score a goal. This is their worst performance in the round robin in the history of the World Cup. And you've got to believe a lot of it is because of all the stupid uh, silliness that they've been having on this team for a long, long time. They need to get serious and go play some soccer. They're going to get bounced out of this before they even get on the medal stand. It was that was that was that performance in this round robin uh, early stage was terrible. Uh, you would have to agree with me on that, Nick. Well, I just think they're kind of in uh, they're in kind of that middle land right now where they have all this like youth coming up. Yeah, and then at the same time they have some of the old guard that is still remaining, and so they're kind of in the middle of a kind of a you know a, I don't want to say like a youth takeover, but kind of close to that. And I just feel like they're trying to find balance. It's a new head coach, I believe, for the first time in this World Cup. And I've seen some things about some of the younger players not playing as much. Um, yeah, they, they, they have not been sharp. And I think a lot of the world has caught up to them as we've gotten further along True. in women's soccer. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I watched the game last night. I did not stay up till 3 a.m. in the morning no, to, I didn't uh, to watch the game. I, I, like everybody, woke up, saw the highlights, saw the score. Saw the whole Carly Lloyd thing that she said yesterday on the uh, the Fox broadcast, which was really interesting, and she would know the team dynamic probably better than anybody. What did she say? Uh, she was pretty upset that the team was celebrating as hard as they were and dancing and laughing after the game, and the camera had kind of focused in on Rapino and Alex Morgan, two of the team leaders, the two elder statesmen of that team, and she called it pretty unacceptable, and I've never seen something like this, and they need to start... You know, she didn't. She said she saw a lack of passion on the field, and that she. Yep. I think her money line was, "Why are you celebrating?" The the post was the player of the game, which if you saw there in the hundred and or the ninety first minute, uh, that Portugal shot that hit the post and would have gone in, and that would have doomed the U.S. So, a lot of division it seems like in the over the U.S. Yep. women's national team, depending on how people feel about them. But I'm still yep. rooting for him. I'm still rooting for him. I am too. Most of them. Uh, all right, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, Scott Reynolds will join us for the Pewter Report. We're going to go all bucks all the time for the next half hour, 45 minutes. Lots to get into, the quarterback competition, what we've seen so far, first day in pads, all that good stuff. Scott Reynolds coming up next here on the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S, lawgroup.com. Get the personal attention you so richly deserve. Great folks over there. If you have any legal issues whatsoever, certainly if you get into an accident, it's got to be your first call because they will call you back, and they will give you great personal attention, and they will fight for you and get you a great settlement. The Jeeves Law Group. Back in three. Stay with us. Hey, guys. Are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use they will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results folks i've been on testosterone therapy for over six years and it is a life 
changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back that doesn't happen with the jeeves law group personal attention is what they're all about when you call the jeeves law group you will be part of the family they will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies these larger companies will promise bigger settlements but it's the jeeves law group that will get you the best results if you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms check out the jeeves law group go to jeeveslawgroup.com tell them jp sent you get a free consultation It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated. EPI, you've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events. The biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. Only just begun. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show here as we uh, roll on. Brought to you by Bay Area Armada Medical Center, B-A-M-M-C.com. 
If you're looking to lose weight, uh, get your nutrition in line, get your testosterone right, Bay Area Modern Medical Center. If you're interested in stem, some stem cell procedures, we talked a lot about that with Chris Lugo yesterday in the Ryan Jensen situation. So check them out at BAMMC.com. They are cutting edge and will get your uh, body and health in the right place. All right, let's bring in our good friend Scott Reynolds from the Pewter Report. What's up, Scotty? How are you, my friend? Doing good. Excellent, actually. Excellent. Am I going to see you in Canton? On, yeah, on going to be there. So just going to ask you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going yeah. as well. So I'll see you up there. Are you staying in Canton, Cleveland? Where? where uh, North Canton. Yeah. North Canton. Okay. I'll, yeah, uh, so. My son's coming in on Friday. We're going to spend a day in Cleveland to uh, do a little exploration, and then we'll. Yeah, be, you uh, flying in Cleveland on Thursday? Yes, on uh, Friday. Okay. Friday. Friday. Okay. Yeah. Friday flying morning. in on Thursday, and then leaving Sunday. So, are you going to the after party? Oh, you damn right I am. CeeLo Green, is, baby. CeeLo Green, I know. I love F-U. it. you. Yeah, that's going to be cool. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. And, I mean, we got to throw a little tidbit in here about Ronda. Yeah. Both of us, you know, uh, maybe our, our favorite Buccaneer ever yep. for a lot of different reasons. Um, I'm just so happy for him, the family, everything. And I, I just – Right there. I'm Number so 20. glad that he's going to – take his rightful place i know we've talked a lot about this but it just it it means a lot to me i know it means a lot to you it should mean a ton to buccaneer fans it's just validation of that that great defense and what and what this what ronde embodied all of it you know and and i think very much the culture of this city as well i love john lynch and i'm not going to slander john lynch in any way shape or form ronde deserved to be in first over john john had a hall of fame career i agree ronde's ronde's was better and it starts with this question. Who's the best defensive back in Bucks history? It's Rondé Barber, hands down. So if he's the best defensive back in Bucks history, then he has to get in before John. I know John won a Super Bowl with the Broncos or you know playoffs or whatever, got a couple more Pro Bowls, et cetera. But I'm just telling you, not only was Rondé Barber one of the best Buccaneers, and this is something John Gruden's famous for saying, and I, I echo it wholeheartedly. Rondé Barber was pound for pound the toughest Buccaneer in franchise history. No doubt. And I love when, when Raheem Morris, he put pictures of Rondé Barber in the training room. Okay. And the reason why he put pictures of Rondé Barber in the training room is because Rondé Barber was never in the training room. Okay. The dude always played. <laughs> He didn't miss time with little nagging injuries. It's like yeah. when he when he broke his finger, he had surgery on a Tuesday, was back at practice on a Wednesday with a broken finger, you know, yeah. Yeah. and uh, play through a you know a torn knee ligament, yeah, yeah. in uh, in the Super Bowl and and even during his ninety two yard pick six against the Eagles, which shut down the vet. That was the the play in franchise history. Was doing that with torn ligaments in his knee, so. Uh, just him limping a little bit as he's running yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a little hitch in his yeah. giddy up. In, yeah. in my opinion, when you look at the Mount Rushmore of Buccaneers, right, it's Leroy Selman, it's Warren Sapp, it's Derek Brooks, and it's Rondé Barber. I think Rondé Barber makes it as the fourth. I really do. He just, no one played longer, no one played more games. He was the second leading tackler on, in franchise history behind Derek Brooks. I don't know that anyone's ever going to play 16 years for the Buccaneers. Um, he is just special. Uh, he, yeah. You know, the the only member of of the forty five twenty club. Um, just just a phenomenal career. Yeah, tremendous. All right, let's talk about this. Uh, this what we've seen so far in camp. We haven't had John since we started, 
Yeah, I guess you know we'll start with the headline. Kyle Trask is for real. Yeah, uh, and he's gonna he's gonna battle Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, from what I've seen, he's remade his body. His delivery is is completely different. Yeah. He's gone from a squatty ear thrower to a stand tall high delivery yeah. thrower, and it's affected his velocity. It's affected his effectiveness. Uh, his accuracy is better. I think this is a is the legit competition. What are your thoughts? Todd Bowles in the offseason said this unprovoked. What I mean by that is no one asked him, hey, Todd, who's the hardest worker in, on your team? He, he didn't answer that question. He volunteered that. He said, Kyle Trask is the hardest worker on this team. Every time Coach is looking out his window, he sees Trask out there by himself, working on his footwork, working on his mechanics, the throwing motion, and, and he's, he's gotten better. He's, got, he's slimmed down. We've seen him be more mobile. Uh, it, it's 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 been a sight to see. It really has, and we all and I say we meaning I as well. I'm I'm certainly in in the mix here. Believe that this is still Baker Mayfield's job to lose, but there is the opportunity for Baker Mayfield to lose this job. He's thrown a couple of interceptions the last couple of days, and Trask is not. And as we've said from the beginning, actually I didn't say it. Dave Canales said it. He's the one who's making the decision along with Todd Bowles about who the starting quarterback is going to be. It's going to come down to which quarterback protects the ball better. Because the first rule of football is you can't beat yourself. Beating the other team is hard enough. When you beat yourself with the self-inflicted wounds, we've heard Todd Bowles talk about it. We've heard Bruce Arians talk about it before them. Bucks can't beat Bucks, right? So that's always been the pathway to Trask making this, this a real competition and, and winning the starting job is he has to do a better job of protecting the football and making plays. And he's done that the last two days. Now, Sunday's practice from start to finish was the best practice Kyle Trask has ever had as a Buccaneer, ever. And that's not just my opinion. I got that from some of my team sources that agreed wholeheartedly. And he's got to string those those practices along. And he's done that, two good practices back-to-back. And so we'll see if this can continue. But... I really feel like like this competition has has amped up things big time, and it's put some pressure on Baker Mayfield now. Because uh, when you know when you're the number one guy, you have the the, the target on your back, and is Baker going to press and throw even more picks, or is he going to really kind of rise to the challenge as Trask has, and and become more accurate with his passes and, and not turn the ball over. I see this as um, you know, still Baker's job to lose. I agree with you there, and I and I, I don't. I think a lot of the reporting that you've seen may may suggest that Baker hasn't been good. I think Baker's been pretty damn good. I mean, yeah. he, he opened up camp with an eighty-yard touchdown to, yeah. to Kate Otten, right? And the next day came back and you know hit uh, Cade Warner for one as well. So I I'm I, I think he's playing fine. Yeah. I think he's doing what he has to when do. When it comes I, to the big plays, Baker's made more big plays. He's right. had more right. highlight throws. Yeah. But he's also had some interceptions. And and quite frankly, he should have had four interceptions yesterday, one of which was a little fluky. But at the same time, this is one of the concerns with Baker is he's short. So he had a pass tip to the line that Yaya Diaby dove and picked off at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So that wasn't like an errant throw per se about Baker Mayfield, but it was a byproduct of him yeah. being yeah. short. So his uh, his his interception came. He was trying to thread the needle into Kate Otten in the end zone. Antoine Winfield jumped the route, picked it off, 
at the same time, there were two dropped interceptions. Ryan Neal dropped one that was right in his hands from Baker. And then Nolan Turner, in a very similar fashion to how Antoine Winfield came from the safety spot, uh, jumped the route. Nolan Turner did the exact same thing, almost a carbon copy play, but he couldn't bring it in. So when you're a, a quarterback's coach and you're an offensive coordinator and head coach, you evaluate those things too. It's not just the touchdowns that were caught that, uh, that work in your favor. They're going to give you credit for touchdowns that were dropped because you right. did your job. You put the ball right in the money, right. receiver dropped it. But conversely, those interceptions that you throw, those count. And the ones that the DBs drop, those count too against you. And so when you look at who these guys are kind of throwing to, obviously we know Mike and Chris are going to be dependable, and those are your two yeah. guys. But of, of the other guys left, receivers, tight ends, and you know I've heard good things about your boy Cade Warner, the Kansas State yeah. kid, and Rakeem yeah. Jarrett I've heard things from as well. Mm -hmm. Which of those guys, if, maybe it's those two who have shined the most, you think, so far through camp? I, I think they're, they both had their moments, and it's going to be really interesting. Trey Palmer is also in the mix as well. I think those three rookies have really stood out. Tay Barber has had like little flashes here and there. David Moore, the veterans, had some flashes here and there. But uh, I would say you know, Trey Palmer, if I had to make the depth chart right now, I think I think one through four is obviously Mike and Chris and Russell Gage and Devin Tompkins. He's going to be the return guy, I believe. So we're going to put him in at wide receiver four. He's also showed up on offense as well. Uh, but Trey Palmer, probably wide receiver five, and then probably Rakeem Jarrett, six. And then seven, and there's not going to be a seven. No, this is practice squad, but probably Cade Warner is, is right there as well. And it's going to come down to preseason games because what you do under the lights matters. Practice is one thing. Um, the practices here in Tampa, they count. The practices against the Jets next week will count more. Huge. And then, and then the – I should say two weeks from now, but the – the games count even more. So you're going to have three opportunities to really show what you can do under the lights. And we've seen it before. Jalen Darden's got all this hype during OTAs and looks good in camp. Then the pads come on, right? And and then all of a sudden people pick on Pewter Report and, and others. Well, you were, you were hyping Jalen Darden. Well, he was doing a good job before the pads came on. We just report what we see, right? And sometimes these guys, they wilt under the pressure of of, of the spotlight and, and the, under the lights. I, mean, I remember Kenny Bell from a couple years ago was making big play after big play after big play in practice, and then in the games just wilted, you know, under yeah. the, the pressure. So the games count. They're important. And sometimes it's like you see a guy who's just kind of, you know, doing enough to kind of hang around during practices, and then all of a sudden, boom, just explodes during the games. And, and you're like, wow, where did he come from? It's like, well, sometimes guys are gamers, you know. Yeah, and some guys step up that you never thought would step up, didn't right. know their names. Uh, David Wells is one yep, of those David guys. Wells, tight yeah. end. Um, I've said I, I think this tight end room needs something. It needs a jolt. It needs a, a little something yep. different. And they found a guy who's been around the league for a while. Yeah, didn't realize six years. That. Heard you guys like talking on your, teams. <laughs> your, your podcast, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, David Wells, the yeah. old Yankees pitcher, he's back? What's right. he doing? This is crazy. Um, he's, he's the oldest tight end in the room. He's 28, but he actually has fewer catches than Kate Otten, who's you know in his second season. So who is this guy? What's he doing? Uh, he was a practice squad player last year. Six six, 260 pounds, moves really well, catches the ball well. It just sometimes guys are late bloomers. Sometimes yeah. guys just they don't get the opportunities right. And 
at like Kyle Trask didn't get the opportunities. One thing I applaud Dave Canales and Todd Bowles for doing is when John Wolford, the third string quarterback, is out there on the field, he's got the third string offensive line, he's got the third string back, he's got the third string tight end going up against third string defenders. But then Canales gives him Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, <laughs> and, and and guess who John Wolfer's thrown to? He's throwing yeah. touchdowns to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He's like, yeah. sorry, Coquith, you're not going to get the ball because I got Mike in the huddle, you know. Sorry, Chase Edmonds, I'm not going to check it down to you. I have Chris Godwin in my huddle. So, but see, th- that that's important because as the 49ers showed last year, you're two plays away from that third-string guy playing. And John Wolford played last year for the Rams because right. Matthew Stafford was hurt. And why would you want to do to John Wolford what you did for the last two years under Byron Leftwich with Kyle Trask, which is right. never Nothing. give him any reps, even right. in practice, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, right? And so it's only a couple plays, but at least on Sundays, if you have to play Wolford, if there's – an injury or ineffectiveness or whatever, and, and he has to go out there, he's got something that he can build on and, and yeah. remember and rely on from camp. Hey, I've thrown a fade touchdown pass to Mike Evans. We're down here at the 13-yard line. I know what to do. Mike knows what to do, right? So just those little things just show me how much Dave Canales just gets it as a first-time offensive coordinator. So it looks like, you know, the Bucks got, a, all things considered, good news on the Kalijah Cansey front. Yep. Uh, but with that being said, obviously he wasn't able to do a single practice, I believe, in pads. Yeah. And he it's, might miss. Thanks for him. I yeah. mean, I was listening to your podcast, and you said, I think you said you wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see him again until the regular season. Uh, Probably, potentially, yeah. given just like yeah. I guess the uphill battle potentially that he's facing, being a smaller size defensive yeah. tackle, not getting the padded practices, is this something that you think potentially hurts his development or how impactful he could be in year one? Yeah, it, it does. There's no doubt about it. I saw it with Zion McCollum last year. I was in Tennessee when he pulled up with the hamstring injury. Now he wasn't counted on being a starter, right? You, you had Sean Murphy Bunting even in the mix, so he was really cornerback four, but. Like we talked about, you're a couple injuries away, a couple plays away from starting, and we saw Zion McCollum have to start last year because Sean Murphy Bunting missed time, Carlton Davis missed time, Jamel Dean missed time, right? So, and I had a very frank conversation with Zion the other day after his pick six in camp off Kyle Trask, and, and he said, yeah, I felt behind all year. Like all year long, it's just I was like a step behind trying to play catch up because once you're in season mode, the teaching stops, they don't really work on fundamentals and individual development outside of a few minutes in practice. Otherwise, it's this is the guy you're going against. These are his tendencies. These are the route concepts they like to run. And it's all game planning for your opponent, not working on your own individual development. So it's very hard to kind of jump on the train once it's already been going down the tracks. And so I think with with Kalash Jacanti not getting some of those reps – in the first couple of games, these preseason games, you know he's not going to experience a, a double team block until Minnesota when it counts, right? In week one. Now the flip side of this is what it is doing is is it's getting Logan Hall some necessary reps in nickel pass rush situations, and that's that's only going to further and speed along his development. And he's got a little bit of a head start because Logan played last year as as a rotational player, two and a half sacks. So if you're looking for the silver lining, that's what it is. Logan Hall is getting some reps now because 
in the base defense, it was going to be Vita in the middle, Logan Hall, and Kalaja Kansi in that 3-4 scheme. Now, when Todd Bowles goes to his nickel package, which is a four-man front, two defensive tackles, your edge rushers, J, you know, Shaq Barrett and JTS on the outside, those two defensive tackles in nickel have been Kalaja and Vita Vea. So now Logan's getting those extra reps in nickel as as that replacement for Kalaja Kansi. So it's just going to further his development along. And, and maybe Kalaja doesn't get as many reps initially because Logan's earned those in the preseason. We'll have to see. But, yeah, anytime you're a rookie player and you miss the preseason games uh, because you're going to play a lot as a rookie in preseason, it does hurt. Yeah, I, I talked to um, other, other defensive linemen. I, I said this on the show yesterday, and, and this is in your rookie season especially. You're yeah. coming to the NFL, and everything you did in college that worked for you, those particular techniques, they don't work. those moves, <laughs> they, you know, they don't work. Or they, right. they don't work as good they as they used to. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got to figure out, you got to dial it in and figure out what yeah. does work against NFL offensive linemen. He's right. in pads, you know, yeah. it, and, and he's going to miss that opportunity. Yeah. So as you said, it's going to be catch up all year long. I remember talking to Logan Hall last year. Yeah, and and before the season started, and I said, I'm just curious, what's your personal goal in terms of sacks? He's like, Well, I got six last year at Houston. I, I want six this year. And I said, Good luck. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me like, What do you mean? I'm like, All right, well, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, the three Pro Bowl defensive linemen in the modern era, defensive tackles for the Buccaneers, all first round picks. I'm, I'm including Logan because he was the first pick in the yeah. second round the Bucks' first selection back in 2021 or 2022 and i said uh let's go back and see warren Sapp as a rookie three sacks gerald mccoy as a rookie first round pick three sacks do you want to guess how many sacks vita vea first round pick got for the bucks <laughs> as a rookie three yeah so i said i'm not saying you're not, you're not going to get six i'm just saying it's hard to get three and what did logan hall end up with two and a half so yeah. it, it is so hard for rookie defensive tackles to come in and, and and just make a huge impact it's a position that that you're going up against guys and there is a thing and and trust me my my uh, 20 year old son Caden and my 18 year old son Logan know exactly uh, who the strongest man in the house is it's 51 year old <laughs> dad here because grown man strength is real it is. Like, you can lift all your weights and flex your muscles and stuff. Let's go out in the backyard and we'll see how those muscles work, right? And it's the same thing in the trenches, man. It's like you get some 31-year-old grizzled, you know, skills on the decline offensive lineman at guard. He just manhandles this young, like, technique. stud kid from, from college first-round pick because of the technique and just that grown man strength. It just, yeah. It's real. Like, like, I can't bench as much as my kids, but like out in the backyard, like come you know, out. You, you want to shot at the title? <laughs> like we're, we're gonna do this. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just that it's a real thing. And I mean, I've even talked to Tristan Wirfs, who, I mean, you know, he he's a freak. He's an alien. He's a mutant. And and it's like, you know, he'll even say, God, Cam Jordan is so strong. You know, like yeah. But the, you look at those two, and you're like, youth should be served, right? There's a football; it's a young man's game. In the trenches, it's not. It is still an old man's game. You got to have that old man's strength. And with Kalaja Kansi being 286 and barely six feet tall, he's going to find out 
Uh, and unfortunately, he's going to find out in Minnesota, it looks like. Right. Yeah, unfortunately. You, you made a really good point there about old man strength in the trenches, and that, that was coming to my next point here. The part that concerns me the most about this team, or at least I think it's the biggest question mark about side of quarterback, is the right side of the offensive line, if yep. it is indeed going to be Cody Malk and Luke Gedeke, mm-hmm. because yep. of such the inexperience at the small right. schools, all those things. We saw what happened last year when Gedeke made the move to left guard, and yeah. it took way too long for the coaching staff to realize that Gedeke was not yes. it, right? And it doomed, it doomed the first part of the season, probably. Yep. Do you have confidence in Todd Bowles this year around, knowing the stakes are a little bit higher for him as a head coach, that if this does go south, and I said the first three weeks are going to be telling because those guys yeah. are going to get tough matchups with Minnesota and Philadelphia right. early on, yep. does, do you have the confidence he'll make the move then or be a little bit more of a, I guess, a shorter leash on these guys? I think so. Cody Malk got bounced around yesterday in oh, some yeah. individual drills and, I was and, watching. He got lifted off his feet a couple yeah, times, and I was like, welcome to the NFL, young man. The, the funny thing is, in, in when Cody Malk, he's hit the deck in 11-on-11 11 11, at least once per practice. And you know who the guy doing it is? Pat O'Connor. Yeah. Pat O'Connor, for whatever reason, is, is like the kryptonite for Cody Malk. Uh, and Pat O'Connor's gotten big. He's like 305 now. When he came in... From Eastern Washington or Eastern Michigan a couple years ago, he was like 260, 265. You know, kind of made it as that big special teamer, and he's carved out a nice role for himself as a special yeah. teams ace for this team. Plays every unit on special teams as a blocker or a penetrator and punt. You know, coverage. Um, you know, kick coverage, all that stuff. So, but but he's he's been the guy that has been planting Cody Malk in practice. So, but yeah, it. it there, there are some concerns for sure because it's very young and inexperienced yeah. on that side of the ball. However, um, this offense, there's no seven-step drops. There just aren't any. There really aren't even five-step drops. They get rid of the ball so quickly, and if they're going to take a deep shot, it's usually max protect, and it's usually a two-man route. And and, and thankfully, the two-man routes have actually worked. I mean, it's been the tight end getting wide open, or it's been a, you know the deep shot to Mike. So I. I feel pretty good that this scheme is designed for the quarterback to get rid of the ball so quickly. The number one route that, that this uh, offense runs that I love is slants. Slants, yeah. Because you've got guys that can really jet. Rakeem Jarrett, Devin Tompkins. These guys can absolutely get yak, instant yak. Um, David Wells is fast. Kate Otten has got some jets as well for a tight end. Then you got some bigger receivers like Mike and Chris, who they're not super like one-step explosion guys like like Devin Tompkins is, but they're big guys. So all of a sudden, you know, you got a six foot one, two hundred and ten pound Chris Godwin, or a six five, two hundred and twenty pound Mike Evans, or David Moore, or David Moore, right? Oh, six foot two twenty, and you know they they make that that quick cut. All of a sudden, you know, they're using their big body to box out. That cornerback or that's that safety or linebacker, whoever they have in in trail coverage, it, it, like in their hip pocket. Now you're asking those guys to make a tackle against a big receiver, right? And they're already kind of being boxed out, so they're not going to get the ball. So it's going to be a catch, and I think that there's more potential for yards after uh, after the catch for for these these players I mentioned, especially Mike and Chris getting some yak because. It didn't happen nearly as much unless it was a go route in the Bruce Arians offense because so many of those routes were either you know short outs or they were comebacks or curls. Yeah, and it's it's fine if you have an explosive receiver that can catch the ball, 
turn and make a quick cut and and then juke their guy and get yards after the catch. But otherwise, you're catching the ball with your back to the end zone, and there's very few opportunities to make exactly to make yards after the catch. At least with the slant, you've got your target on the run, hit him in stride, and a and big oh. guy like Mike or Chris, they can shake a tackle, and then boom, you know, all of a sudden, eight yards turns into eighteen before you know it. Well, Scotty, great stuff as always, my friend. Uh, love having you on the show. I look forward to seeing you up in Canton yeah. celebrating Ron. It's going to be fun, man. Thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find all your content, the podcast, which I listen to every single day. Tell them what's up. Uh, you can find out our podcast. Not doing one today because there's a night practice from seven to nine, but we'll recap that tomorrow at four o'clock. All of our podcasts are at four o'clock, typically. On the days the Bucks will practice uh, during the regular season, there'll be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we'll have a, a podcast recapping the game on on either Saturday for a preseason game or Sunday for the regular season games. You can find all of the podcasts on Pewter Report TV. That's our YouTube channel, and you can follow us on X, which used to be known as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Threads at Pewter Report, and of course, don't forget the mothership PewterReport.com, where all of our right. stories are. PewterReport.com. Thanks, partner. We'll see you in Ken. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, uh, quick break. When we come back, Buck sideline guy TJ Reeves will join us. Uh, he was out in Vegas for all the big fights, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk some Bucks. Probably talk a little bit of Rave, maybe some college football. It's all coming your way here on the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com, the great place to go get healthy, get your testosterone right, get your nutrition right. It's all there for you, BAMMC.com. Back in three. Stay with us. This is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? 
Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP on FanStream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at Italiano Insurance, 877-7799. Get them to shop your insurance around and save you a 1000 bucks on their auto insurance like they did for me. All right, let's bring in our good friend, T.J. Reeves, Buck Sideline Guy. What's up, T.J.? How are you, my friend? You, you made it back from Vegas. You did not melt. I and did. Uh, and my goodness. All right, so I have just, let me set the scene. First of all, good to be with you. I've just walked the dog in the Tampa heat and humidity. So we are now, we, we are both experts because you were out there in it too, to compare the Tampa yes. dampness of 105 feels like with 90% humidity versus the stick your head in an oven hot of Las Vegas, which it was. Um, 
And I got to tell you, at least we get a break at night, yeah. as we know here in this area where it cools off at night. Just not the case there where we were doing a lot of stuff at night, and you're standing outside going, this is stifling. Crazy. Crazy. You can't, you can't breathe. And the interesting thing is that apparently the talk out there, and I'm sure you heard some of this, the Oakland A's are obviously leaving, and I believe, that I think they have one year left on the lease. I believe Major League Baseball is going to try to be proactive and put them in Las Vegas next year, in yeah. which case they got to play in the outdoor minor league baseball park that does not have a dome, that does not have climate control. And, I, and even at night, I'm going, man, uh, this is going to, oh, my, but the, but the minor league team does it. The, the Las Vegas, whatever their names are, the isotopes or whatever they're called, yeah. they they play at well, night. Albuquerque isotopes. Is it's it? Okay. Las Vegas I get my Pacific no, Coast Aces. League teams yeah. mi- mixed up. Uh, what is the Las Vegas teams? They, I thought it was the Aces, but that's the WNBA. The Aces is the WNBA. My buddy TC yeah. Martin calls a play-by-play for them. Nick will get on the case on what is the Las Vegas uh, minor league baseball team, but they pl- my the point sweaters. is they, pl- they play <laughs> the perspiration. The, per- the perspiration. The, the, the Las uh, Vegas. The a- what is it? The Aviators. The Aviators. The aviators, okay. Right. Uh, as opposed to the incinerators. It should be the incinerators for how hot it is to try to play at night. But anyway, I had a great time out there, and I know you want to talk a little bit uh, about that and then about the Bucks. so I'll show you a couple of photos. Um, again, World Welterweight title fight, Terrence Crawford absolutely demolished the other unbeaten world champ, Errol Spence, yeah. and nobody really believed that. Even the, even the people that were backing Crawford didn't think one-sided beatdown. That's what it was. So uh, a couple of things from TJ. So first of all, I got the opportunity, and I did put this on social media, to go see Jerry Seinfeld oh, yes. at Caesars Palace. So there is the TJ photo nice. with the ticket. I'm showing it to the TV audience at Caesars Palace. Jerry was fantastic, did about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, very funny about marriage, which we can identify with, yes. JP. Yes. I'll just give you the quick tip for anybody that's married. Nick, you're newly married. Jerry's going, I've, I've been married 23 years, 23 years I've been married. And he goes, I figured out there's only two questions that ever really mattered. That's the first question of, will you go out with me? And the second question of, will you marry me? And after those two questions, nothing else you ask matters. And that's his, <laughs> because it doesn't matter what we're having for dinner. It doesn't matter where we're going on vacation. Don't even ask. He's going, I don't even ask. I don't ask anymore. Don't ask I any questions. Do. I just do. So that's yeah. part of his... You yep. just do. You just go out and do. So the interesting thing is he's touring all over the country, Seinfeld, and he's coming to Tampa at the end of September for one night, I believe, at the Seminole Hard Rock. So he will be here on the tour in our area later in the month. But he's going to Canada. He's going all over the north. He's going to. He's coming back to the southeast, going back out to Vegas for two more nights later in the year. So he did about an hour 20 uh, there, uh, and that was that was fun to watch. So a couple of other cool ones. So here was the media center, which was a tent next to the T-Mobile Arena where the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, play hockey. So inside the media center, they had the life-size photos of the yes. of the fighters. So I had to get yeah. a little, I had to get a little life-size photo of the two fighters. And then everybody's wondering, all right, what kind of seats? All right, so the seats down low, JP type money. This is how JP rolls: six thousand, eight thousand dollars ringside. You notice that TJ and the media overflow is in the top of the arena, kind of like the hockey press box or the football press box. So that I'm, I'm showing to the uh, to the TV audience, if you're only hearing us, that I'm up high, but I was in the arena. We watched it a lot on the video board. 
Because the one well, thing down on the floor, yeah, the, the the high paying, the high rollers, and I mean, there were some high rollers there. Damian okay. Lillard of the Portland yeah. Trailblazers is there. Jerry Jones, the owner I've of the never Cowboys, done a big fight in Vegas. As oh, yeah. So this was yeah, this this was some it. scene with all the A list fighters. I was surprised that Sugar Ray Leonard was not there. The iconic Leonard Hearns fight forty plus years ago for the world welterweight title. Thomas Hearns was there. Thomas Hearns, unfortunately. Uh, is having lots of problems, post-boxing, head trauma, etc. But Ray Leonard, not as much, and Ray was not there. I thought they were going to bring oh. him in the ring for a big pop from the crowd. Hi, everybody. Go you know, go touch gloves with the fighters. That didn't happen. Ray was not there. But it to was me, just that neat. was the greatest era of boxing. Yes. 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 Well, and I will tell you this. It started with the Muhammad Ali, uh, George Frazier, I mean, Joe Frazier, George Foreman. Correct. That, that group, the heavyweights that were just, you know, back and forth. There were some other contenders in there as well. Ken Norton. Um, th that was, and then followed by the, the four Kings. 80s. They're known as the four Kings. Yes. Uh, the, the, uh, Thomas, the, the Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, whom and I Marvin missed? Hagler, Marvin Hagler. Uh, I mean, those guys, just the greatest fights I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable. And, I've never seen and, anything like it since. Uh, yes. And and so boxing has never really been able to recapture that, yeah. I don't think. Mike yeah, Tyson, no. for a little while, had the attention of everybody, but that was one guy. But yeah. in terms of four guys all fighting each other, that was the best of the best. I will say this, because I've been a fight fan for this long, and then we'll move on to the Buccaneer conversation. Terrence Crawford could have fought with those guys. The guy that scored the knockout the other night, he's now undisputed in two different weight divisions, 140 and 147. He could have fought with – I'm not saying he beats them all. He could have fought with Leonard, with Hagler, with Duran, and with Hearns and held his own in that era. He's that good. He's that talented. And other than Oscar De La Hoya, who's in the Hall of Fame as the bridge in between that era, I wouldn't say that about anybody else. I mean – all the way to the present day, I wouldn't say it about any other fighter besides Terrence Crawford, Oscar De La Hoya, the other one that could have fought in that era. So it was neat to be in the fight town. It was neat. I, I can tell you there were tens of thousands of people that didn't have tickets to the fight that were everywhere outside the arena. They even opened up the MGM Grand Garden Arena. So we got T-Mobile over here and then across Las Vegas Boulevard, as you know, over here is the MGM Grand. So the MGM Grand opened up the uh, the big Grand Garden Arena to show it on TV. That's not where the fight was. And they had over 10,000 people pay whatever, 50 bucks, 75 bucks to go watch on TV across the street. So it was crazy. It was it was crazy to watch all of that uh, there the other night. So, uh, yeah, fun fun to be part of that in Vegas. Yeah, no we'll doubt. see if we can get JP back in here. He had a little connection. What, did I bounce show. him? Did I bounce him? He'll be back here in a minute. But, Nick, I, I, I just got to tell you, I survived. I, I'm still on the Pacific coast body clock at the moment i think i'm better today it's usually like the second day i got back sunday night i should be okay these are first world problems now we get ready for buccaneer training camp and everything else that's going to go on yeah. but it was a it was a fun time i was going to ask you one more question though about the boxing because I, mm. I like getting to get these new topics like i find myself like i'm a newer boxing fan i didn't watch mm -hmm. the f I, I i watched a couple floyd mayweather fights during his heyday found it incredibly mm -hmm. boring and was like why am i watching this i'm gonna go watch <laughs> ufc which on Saturday night, there was both events going on. Right. I went out, you know, downtown to Soho for the, I hate going out, but I went out just so I could have the split screen of UFC and the boxing. So I had my eyes on both. And where, I'm ignorant. Where was the UFC? Was it not, was it also in it Vegas? Was in, or where? It was in Salt Lake City. All right, so it was in Salt Lake City. But the pay-per-view was getting a lot of attention in Vegas because there was a right. couple of places that had it up on the marquee. Come watch it here, right. like in a big ballroom in, in Las Vegas. So how did you find it in comparison? 
the boxing, now that I've started to, di- to dabble into it, and I've watched, you know, the Fury Wilder fights, I mean, for me, mm-hmm. that's like my, my creme de la creme is, is the Fury Wilder fight, because mm-hmm. I don't have much to compare it to. And I right. love, like, the big fight feel that you get from it. I think boxing still gets to that. And this one, I'll be honest, I've never seen these two guys fight before. But I hear all the hype, the fact that they're in, like, separate, like, there's all these WBCs and this and that, and it's ridiculous. And I, it sounds like they finally got this one together. It was, like, years in the making, so there was all Correct. this hype coming in. So I'm, like, an, I'm just going in fresh. And obviously Crawford goes out and dominates him, which is what nobody predicted. Found that very surprising. But now that I've dabbled into Terrence Crawford, I'm looking at the record. I'm looking at all this stuff, and I'm like... Man, like, and again, Floyd Mayweather for this generation is generally seen as the greatest of all time for this generation, right? But is Terrence Crawford, like, approaching that level, you think, of, yes. of stardom? Oh, it's Hall of Fame level stuff. I mean, he's got 40 wins. He now is a world champion in three different weight divisions. He is the second fighter ever to hold all four belts in two divisions. So he's the undisputed champion. He's had eight title fights, Crawford, and then I know we're going to move on to the Bucks here in a second. He's had eight title fights at welterweight. He's won all eight by knockout. So he is a big-time talent, and he is in his prime. And, again, that guy could have competed. So good for boxing. They had a big weekend, always in the summer. Boxing always capitalized in the summer. And so um, it did again here in this case, and I would encourage you, Nick, and any other fight fans, go watch that Showtime documentary, The Kings, for those four fighters, Leonard, Hearns, Hagler, Duran. You get the whole story for those four episodes of how they all fought each other, and they're all four Hall of Fame iconic fighters. Terrence Crawford, again, belongs in that conversation with those guys. So there you go on that one, JP. We were just waxing a little bit on some boxing. We can talk some bucks. Crawford knocked me out. Crawford knocked me out a little bit there. (laughs) Hit me with a right, right cross. Uh, yeah, let's get into the box a little bit. Um, I, I've been out there for a few of these practices, and, and uh, that they've actually caught a break the first few days weather-wise, but uh, Sunday was was blistering hot. But this this competition between the quarterbacks is legitimate, and there's no question that Kyle Trask is here to put his stamp on. on uh, I'm not sure, Nick, if that's just me or if we're losing him on the Wi-Fi, <laughs> no, but I got the gist, I got the gist yeah. of the question. So here's the thing I don't know, and JP, I think you can still hear us. Here's the thing I don't know. Was Trask taking first-team reps even as recently as Sunday and yesterday? That's what I'm curious about because I haven't been there. So is he taking that's, – that's one of the big questions is, are they alternating 1 and 1A one with the reps? That's what I'm most curious about, guys. Yeah, he's been taking. They've been kind of alternating first team reps for for the entire camp. Yes. Yes. So that's yes, they are. And again, you've been out there, and JP, I'm hearing you better now. You've been out there, and they're they're going to make mistakes. So I keep seeing on social media, oh, Kyle Trask threw an interception. Oh, Baker Mayfield threw an interception. Well, it's training camp practice, so that's that's part of it. Uh, I don't know if you can early gauge who's looked good. Have they both looked good? I don't know. This is what everybody wants to know as you build that first preseason game with the Steelers. This is what everybody wants to know on, uh, you know, are they both going to play in the first half with the first team in the first preseason game? You know, who starts that game? And is it a series or two at quarterback for Baker Mayfield, let's say, and then Kyle Trask? Or do they maybe start Kyle Trask? And then for a season or series or two, it's, it's Baker Mayfield. And do they alternate that with the second game against the Jets? 
after they practiced with the Jets all week. I think that's what uh, the, everybody's fascinated about. Yeah, um, and, and I've been based on what I've seen, you know, the clips and all that, and we talked to Scott Reynolds before you and got some firsthand accounts. I mean, you could almost look at it objectively and say that Kyle Trask maybe has had a better so far start to camp than Baker. Not that Baker's been bad, but Baker's turned the ball over more than Kyle. That's been a big thing. And Kyle looks more de- decisive in his decision-making and all those types of things. And me personally, it's like I, my gut tells me Baker eventually is going to win this job. But out of sheer curiosity, I want to see Kyle Trask to an extent. Like, and even if that's just preseason, I want to see him play. I'm talking like a full half of football in like every game. Like, I want to see the curiosity factor there. We keep talking about this uh, on your show, and we're going to keep talking about this over the next couple of weeks. The only way you can find out if he is ready to play, and the only way to get ready to play is if he plays. Right. The only way that you can determine can he really um, excel at this level is he gets the opportunity. So we'll, we'll wait and see what kind of opportunity it is uh, for him. Uh, again, they don't consult with me, but I, I just, I've never bought into this offseason that this is Baker Mayfield's job and his alone, and right. he already has it. I think if he gets it, and JP was talking about this, I think, last week when we were on, and he's talked about it probably several times. You guys have both talked about it. Competition at every position makes you better. You don't think, just to segue it, that Servassier Dennis yes. doing what he's doing isn't going to push Devin White to be better right now yep. and Russell Gage has been injured and they've got some other wide receiver options and he's going to get pushed I don't think that third receiver situation is just going to be handed the slot receiver is just going to be handed to him position battles are what training camp is all about competition yep. is what it's all about and I I again they saw something out of Trask with his size he's playing in the number one conference in America listen to me sound like I'm a Florida Gator I'm not a Florida Gator but he's playing in the number one college football conference in America, smashing records in the one year that he started, and they won a lot of games. So they saw potential in that, and the only way to find out if it translates at the NFL level is to give him the opportunity. And I think you'll see that opportunity in these first couple of preseason games. JP, did you make it back here with us? You look like you got a better picture here, at least. I think I'm better. JP, JP, I'm, is, I'm better. JP <laughs> is better than my sleep schedule right now. So the only thing we were saying in your absence is the common – uh, theme that continues competition makes you better and you've got to see what trash can do and the one more factor that i will continue to preach here and everywhere else what happens god forbid if there's an injury to baker mayfield you've got to have somebody ready to go and that somebody right now is kyle trask so depending on who wins the starting job you've got to have a backup that has that has played some taken some first team reps so that's another that's another yep. part of this I know you got to get going, TJ. So we'll, I still have two minutes for you. I got two minutes for you. Keep going. Uh, my, my quick point is, you know, I think everybody looks down on Kyle Trask because of the first two years because he didn't beat out Tom Brady. I mean, I mean, <laughs> right. or or didn't beat out Blaine Gabbard. And I try to explain to people that was never going to happen. Blaine Gabbard was the hand-picked backup right. to Tom Brady, and he wanted Blaine Gabbard to be his backup. That's just the way that was going to work. And Tom Brady did not secede any reps or anything. To Kyle Trask. It was never about developing Kyle Trask. You can be in the room and you can listen to Tom Brady, but that's all you're going to get. So I would I would tell people, look, look at Kyle Trask as he just came out of Florida, except he's had two years with Tom Brady to learn the game. And wh- wh- how would you think of him then? You know, he just threw for right, you know right. 4,000 plus yards and 46 touchdowns in Florida and almost beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. The guy's not a bum. He can play. He's done it in the highest college collegiate league you can do it. That's in. correct. So, you know, let's not just write this guy off like he's a bum. 
Let's give him a chance and, and, and the see proof, how good he could be. And the proof will be in these first couple of preseason games, the training camp practice in the first couple of preseason games, and then we will go uh, from there. I, I'll take you back to one, and there have been quarterback questions uh, for this franchise for the, for the six decades that it's been in existence, going back to the 70s, about who the quarterback should be. Buccaneer fans' favorite quarterback is who it's not. I still remember early 90s Sam White's just before you got to the market, and Nick, I don't think you were born yet. But Craig Erickson was the middle-round pick quarterback who had played at Miami and played on one of the national championship teams. Yep. And Sam White kept saying, Craig Erickson's not ready. Craig Erickson's not ready. And he played a little bit in the preseason. This is as a rookie now, not as a yep. third-year player. Not ready, not ready. Steve DeBerg is the veteran. DeBerg comes out. DeBerg's at the end of his career. This is DeBerg's second go-around with the Buccaneers. 90-93 season. This is the 93 season. DeBerg plays the first game with the Chiefs, speaking of hot. That was Joe Montana's first game with the Kansas City Chiefs. DeBerg is awful in the game. The Bucks get blown out. Guess who started the second game of the season? Craig Erickson. After <laughs> Sam White's declaring for three or four weeks, he's not ready, he's not ready, he's not ready. Okay, now it's his turn. we got to find out if he can play. So that's just an, an example of yeah. how you try to spin it, you try to do this stuff, we'll see. And, and we were saying competition makes you better. Servassier Dennis looking good. Competition for pass rush help. Yep. Uh, my guy Mark Ennis in Louisville is a big Louisville guy and a big Buccaneer fan. He's going, what about Yaya? What about Yaya Diaby? How has Yaya looked? You guys can speak yeah, to that. That's the a other guy. Yeah. He is battling for playing time. I am all about the training camp competition at all these different positions that aren't solidified. We know Mike Evans. We, we know Tristan Wirfs. We know Levante David. We know Carlton Davis. We know Ke yeah. uh, um, Rashad White. We, we know those guys are the established guys, but pretty much a lot of the rest of it is going to be who competes to get playing time. Yeah. You know, Vita Vea, we know that he's going to be the guy, but who, who else gets playing time out of the other group? All right, TJ, uh, go do your other hits this morning. I know we, you got Memphis on the line. You got Memphis. Else. Go get to Memphis and talk to them on the radio and wax eloquent about the fight and about the Buccaneers. You have me on regularly now from training camp to preseason. We're going Let's to get a go. game here. And by the way, we didn't get to tell enough Rondé Barber stories. You're going to tell more. You were there at the vet when he closed down the vet. Super Bowl champion. The fans should just know this. As tremendous a player as you saw, and, and JP and Nick, you know this, even better human being off the field. Hall 100%. of Famer off the field already. Good for Rondé Barber. I have much love for them. His brother Tiki Barber, who I've worked with the last three years doing national radio, will give the introductory speech on Saturday night. Great for the Barbers. Great for the Buccaneers. JP, we have lived long enough, brother. You and me, <laughs> that the Buccaneers are now going to have four Hall of Fame players off that defense in the late 90s and the early 2000s. That? that is amazing. Good That's to be with awesome. you. See you, TJ. Good stuff. All right, boys. Yeah. Probably should have won a, another Super Bowl, at least that group right there. Going to get a little offense going. Um, all right, we'll take a break. Hopefully I'm back for the, for the remainder. Kurt Weiler is going to join us from the Osceola Rivals Network, and we're going to chat about Florida State possibly moving to the Big Ten and their big move in recruiting as well in the past few weeks. So stay with us. Some FSU Talk next coming to you live from Orlando here and St. Petersburg. Stay with us. coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric 
cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com, or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated. EPI, you've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events. The biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at American Mortgage Insurance. If you're looking for a refi, 
for a new home. Scott Fitzgerald, the man, will uh, take care of you, always get you the lowest rates, get you the best situation, and hook you up and help you out with your personal finances as well to get everything in order to get that loan and get that new house or the refi. You can contact him, scott at amstampa.com, scott at amstampa.com. All right, let's uh, bring in our good friend Kurt Weiler from the Osceola Rivals Network to talk some Florida State football. Kurt, how are you? I am doing well. Football's almost here, so that's always a mood booster for sure. What are we, 28 days away from LSU, FSU, I believe, something like that? So, yes. Little, uh, a little more, September 3rd, but like we're okay. about, like, I mean, soon enough, it'll be a month before you know it. Cannot wait. Uh, but the action is already starting. Uh, my phone was blowing up yesterday. I'm sure yours was as well with all this news of Florida State possibly moving to the Big Ten, Big Board of Trustees meeting coming up tomorrow, I believe. Uh, what can you tell us? Is there some fire with all this smoke? I, we'll find that out tomorrow, I think, in all, in all honesty. I think there is more smoke than there's ever been. Whether that leads to a fire, we will find out. But no doubt, I mean, it's uh, this feels like it, it was always going to take kind of a school testing the grant of rights. And it, it seems like we've kind of reached a breaking point of frustration on the Florida State side where it's quite possible that that will happen here in the, in the, in the near future. We'll, we'll, we'll find out probably more tomorrow if they don't go into an executive session or something where they can kind of close off publicly. Yeah, I, I read an article the other day about how the, the, the ACC defrauded Florida State of their grant and rights. And I also spoke to some some pretty powerful people here in, in the Tampa area that have some knowledge of these grant and rights and some legal knowledge of it. And they told me that there is a belief that there are ways, some loopholes, if you will, to get out of this or at least exert enough legal pressure on the ACC that they can get some movement. And uh, it, this also could be a play to get more money out of the ACC disproportionate to other schools since FSU feels they bring a lot more to the table. And that seems like something the ACC is just in, it doesn't want to budge on. But could this also be a power play to, to get that movement from the ACC? What do you think? I think it's absolutely possible. I think, truthfully, there's not a – if there were a true loophole, I think it would have already been found and exploited by now you know i think it is pretty rock solid without kind of testing it in a court of law is kind of what that would come down to but yes i think it's absolutely possible where this is a play to test if if, i mean florida state talks about it openly in tomorrow's board of trustees meeting it definitely feels like a acc are you sure you don't want to do uneven revenue are you sure you want it to uh to to go down this way because yeah i mean florida state Michael Alfred's talked pretty candidly last February, kind of really kicked this all off in a public manner. I think it's, yeah. it's been known for a while, the problems for longer than that. But in February, Michael Alfred kind of made it clear, you know, we're, we're 20 or so, 20 or 30 million behind the the uh, SEC and Big Ten now, but that's only going to grow. And by, I mean, the, the crazy part is the, the grant of rights going through 2036. Yeah. The, the SEC and Big Ten are going to go to the table again after their current deals would start, I think, next year. And negotiate again before the ACC is up. I mean, it is crazy the 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 deal that that John Swafford got locked in kind of around the onset of the ACC network and and how uh, short sighted it was long term. Obviously, it was it, it got the ACC network, which was a big part of it and something that the network or the conference had wanted for a long time. But it now feels like a 
at what cost it's kind of aged like milk yeah. it's, uh, i mean we're only we're only a, a couple of years into it relatively speaking and and yeah i think so it's possible for sure that Florida State is is not willing to test it in a court of law, but is willing to tell everybody they are in the hopes that that will kind of light a fire under the ACC's butt. Yeah, I agree. Kurt Weiler joining us here from the Osceola, part of the Rivals Network. And I think when, when I first started talking about it on this show that, no, folks, it's the Big Ten. It's not the SEC. People just don't understand it. They don't get it. Um, but you got to kind of walk them through the value that Florida State brings to a Big Ten vis-a-vis an SEC. And, well, I, I would think everyone would acknowledge that culturally it's a better fit in the SEC. Financially, it's probably a better fit for both parties in the Big Ten. W- would you agree with that if there is a move that it's more likely Big Ten than, uh, than SEC, or am I wrong about this? In the immediate future, I tend to agree. I think the Big Ten is more motivated to maybe help Florida State, maybe – taken on offset of, you know, or something like that. The, AC, the Big Ten is definitely more motivated where the SEC, because the thing is, I mean, it's, it's dual-fold. The, the advantage of, A, uh, obviously, it's easier to pitch for all those Big Ten schools, be they in USC, be they in California, be they anywhere in the Midwest where so much of the, of the Big Ten is, or even the Mideast. If you have a, if you have a team in Florida... You can pitch to, you can recruit those kids easily of saying, look, we'll have games here every so often. And that's a big deal, I think, for coaches. Yeah. Because obviously everybody recruits Florida. But on top of that, I think it's a big deal for, I mean, the Big Ten is not in Florida at the moment. And when you have a school in the network, in, the, in, your, in your conference that's in a state, you can charge more for your right. conference network. There is the Big Ten network still. That's not the big part of the, the money deal. Is. So I think it it makes a difference there, too. And so the SEC already has Florida. The SEC is, I, I would say, less motivated. And I agree. It, on paper, a better cultural fit, a better geographic fit. But it sure seems like both these conferences are going to end up going somewhat kind of nationwide. It's going to be, it, it, it feels like we're going to end up kind of with a NFL minor league. And so I think uh, that it, it will change kind of the perceptions of, of, of things like that in the, within the next however long it takes. Kurt Weiler joining us here from the Osceola Rivals Network. Uh, Kurt, also, I, I think I noticed that Florida State has moved in a month from 24th in the Rivals Network for 2023 20, uh, recruiting to number eight with a lot of good pickups. Uh, Charles Lester III came in and some other uh, some other big names uh, talk a little bit about the recruiting side of this for Florida State, and uh, they've had a pretty good month. Yeah, there was, frankly, frustration with the fan base of coming off the big win. I think the big 2022 season, the 10-win season, if people thought, oh, well, that should help recruiting. It's easier to recruit coming off a 10-win season than it is a 5 or a 3, which was kind of the, how many they had in the, the first two years. And that wasn't instantly true where, I mean, Florida State fans had to kind of – Florida State didn't actually pick up an entire commit in the entire month of June. I mean, well, Florida, I think, rocketed up to, what, third in the in the class rankings, had a great month on the trail. Yeah. Florida State was, was not picking up anybody. I think some of that comes down to Florida needs that positive momentum going more into, I think, a season that's going to be tougher for them than Florida State. Florida State's obviously going into the season, and weird things can happen, looks to be in a, in a much better spot than Florida. And so I think Florida needs that momentum more than Florida State. But Florida State's July has been huge. I think they've picked up 10 commits. I think they've doubled the size of their class, gone from 27th 
to, I think it's eighth in the in the rivals uh, class rankings. And you mentioned Charles Lester is a, is a big get. I mean, that kind of you finally changed the Dion narrative a bit from Travis from the Travis Hunter situation. Obviously, winning winning a big battle there is a big deal for Mike Gravel and the staff, and they have a chance to win another one this weekend. I mean, KJ Bolden is a top ten overall kid in this class, and he's announcing Saturday. And there's been a lot of buzz around Florida State. Georgia's in there. Ohio State's in there. Bama's in there. Auburn's made a late charge. It is kind of a big boy recruitment for a very good defensive back. And uh, Florida State is right there. If they can pull that one off, I mean, they'll, they, they might be pushing top five. And, and when you look at the, the on-the-field product and what we expect to see this season, I think we all would agree it, it's great to see Florida State back in that national conversation of, you know, we think about college football playoffs and things like that, but are you buying that right now as they stand? I know there's a lot of talent. They brought everything back that they needed to. Are you buying it right now that this is a bona fide national championship contender? Or are you kind of in, in wait-and-see mode? And obviously week one against LSU, a team that everybody's picking to win the SEC West, might be the, the biggest indicator there. Yeah, I, I'm a, as far as that level of expectations, I'm in a bit of wait-and-see mode. There are a lot of things you, you, you like. The, the interesting thing, I mean, we will find out quickly. You talked about that LSU game week one, and then week four they play at Clemson. I mean, they kind of have the two, by a significant margin, toughest games on their schedule in the first month of the season. Kind of by September, they'll, they'll have played two potentially top 10, top 15 teams, and they may not play another the rest of the season. So, yeah, I think it, it will be interesting. It will be, it will be telling, but there is a lot to like about this team and believe that if things break right, they could maybe win the ACC and make a playoff, and from there we'll see what happens. I mean, I think uh, you, when, you, when you get so many guys back off of what was a very good team, I don't think we expected to see Jared Burst back. He's no. back and, and could be kind of a defensive player of the year for the ACC. Jordan Travis, I mean, anytime you've got a six-year quarterback who's had so much success and just I, I think makes a big deal, getting a guy like Johnny Wilson back, and they, they hit the portal again really well. They added a few really good defensive linemen. They added a really good cornerback who is an all-ACC guy at Virginia. They added a, a tight end from South Carolina and Jaheim Bell, who's just going to further bolster what that offense can be. They bring Trey Benson back. I, it will, I mean, we'll find out quickly if the good thing. We won't have to wait. We'll kind of find out week one and then week four. But it's interesting because if things break right, possibly. But I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm there yet. I think it's more win the ACC, make the ACC championship game again. That hasn't happened since 2014 and see what happens. Yeah, I think I just saw the ACC media poll, and uh, Clemson is on top by a wide margin. So finally, uh, something to rally. My biggest fear, Kurt, about this team right now is overconfidence and reading their press clippings. I've seen it happen before at Florida State, going way back to the Seminole Wrap in 1980. That's how old I am. Yeah. But that's my fear. But I think Norvell will keep him in a good headspace, and at least maybe he can post this now up on the wall. Look how many votes Clemson got in your own ACC media, 103 to your 67. They don't believe in you. They think you're dog crap. So go out and prove differently. <laughs> Finally, some negative news, which I wanted to hear. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I tend to agree. That doesn't do any bad. I think I, I agree with you on Mike Norvell and him being, I mean, They've bought into the culture, and he, he talked candidly about, like, we, we talked about how do things change when there are expectations, and he talked candidly about, last week at ACC kickoff, we did a local media session about kind of like, yes, you have to worry about complacency. You have to make sure that 
guys aren't thinking just because they won 10 games last year, that's like the baseline for next year because we bring so many guys back. What he said that I thought was, was it, it made me feel better about that for sure was he talked about, and I agree, having watched, been out there in the spring, he said kind of Jordan Travis, Jared Burst, and Johnny Wilson, kind of the three all-ACC guys, probably three of the better five players on the team all were kind of the three three of the most improved players in the spring. And he was kind of like, when your leaders, when your guys who are already established are kind of fighting to be the most improved players, that shows me that I think we're fighting off complacency pretty well. I also thought Florida State handled ACC kickoff and that media event and kind of their newfound hype pretty well. They, they, they didn't have a bunch of quotables they can get freezing cold take later. They were definitely staying in the moment, understanding it, or saying at the very least that, what happened last year has no effect on what happens this year, and they nice. were they were definitely approaching it the right way, and so th- that gives me confidence somewhat too that, that there won't kind of be that that the the step back because of expectations. So you're saying they won't be making a rap video with Tallahassee's Boston Richie for uh, the upcoming season? We we won't see uh, that. No chance. I don't think you will see that. No, I think that would. <laughs> All right, we'll end it on that, Kurt. How can they get your uh, great content at the Osceola Rivals Network? Uh, yeah, it's floridastate.rivals.com or, or theosceola.com. And uh, it's Kurt, C-U-R-T-M, Weiler, W-E-I-L-E-R, on, I would say Twitter, but I said to say X now, which I don't particularly it's, enjoy saying. <laughs> it just doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Uh, no, right, well, it sounds like something else. <laughs> All right, Kurt, great stuff. Thanks, partner. Appreciate it. We'll uh, chat with you down the line. Um, yeah, it's Sounds good. Thanks, a great Jimmy. place to get all your FSU news right there. they got great podcasts as well. Our good friend Patrick Burnham, we got to get him on talking about the recruiting class as well and because um, uh, they, they're really rocking it up the board with some new recruits. I don't I, – we didn't talk about this. Did you see the Charles Lester announcement? I didn't. I didn't see the – I saw the, like, the, just the tweet, but was there something bigger to that? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. I take it there was. He did a live stream. Uh, my friend said it to me. I'm sitting there watching. I guess it was Saturday night, and it was uh, it was something else. It was something else. Well, I mean, el- it was, elaborate a little bit. What is something else? Uh, mean? It, it was. It was like you know he had him pulling up in the in his convertible. I don't know what kind of car it was, but I'm sure it was very expensive. You know, it was like a like a Hollywood premiere. You know, everybody, you know, the whole neighborhood was there and, you know, and then, uh, you know, he pulls up, he gets out of the car and every, you know, the cameras are everywhere as he's going in and, but it's not like grownups. It's all like little kids and teenagers everywhere. And then they go into this room and there's this big white curtain with some, you know, decorations on it and everything, you know, the music is blaring and it's not appropriate music for little six and seven year old kids. They're dancing around in front of it. I mean, it was explicit music, like really raunchy. And there you see all these like seven and eight year old kids dancing around. And then he comes out and finally makes the, you know, everybody, they're waiting for the big announcement. And he comes, they open the curtain and it's him like full Indian headdress. He's got the tomahawk spear. It's FSU. And like the comment section is just like. It sounds like a party to me that I'd like to be a part of. It was uh, it was interesting. It was interesting, um, and yeah, I, I thought he might rescind his uh, his commitment after the comments that were, that were written there yeah. by FSU fans. And it was uh, 
I guess this is what happens when 18-year-olds get millions and millions of dollars of NIL money. They, uh, oh, I don't know about it. I mean, just this is kind of how announcements are. They always become. It's like kind of. It's like announcing, like you know, your fact that you're having a kid. You know, and we always have. No, well, it used to like be the same like, thing they do for recruiting announcements now. Like back in the old days, you know, they do it at the school, and you know, it'd be like an assembly, and That's everybody boring. would be there, and they'd be That's you know, boring. dressed up nicely, Snooze and the coach fest. would be there. Snooze fest. And so those are that's that's passe now. We get, now it, but it's, now it's got to be like a like a like a rap video. I don't care. It's got to be like I don't care. Like, I just care that he got. The, I just care that the school got the commitment. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, really care. Hey, uh, I will say though. Something else. I will say though. Quick little note on recruiting: Florida State with the Charles Lester in a, in our on three recruiting rankings, they've rocketed up to number five. Actually, wow. On, on three, Florida's at number three. So the two Florida schools are inside the top five. First time that's got to be like that in a long, long time. And, and USF then, just landed yep. their biggest recruit yep. ever. Talk a little I was bit gonna, about that. I was going to point to that one as well. Uh, four-star safety Fred Gaskin, local kid, or kind of local, Ocala, Florida. Obviously, mm-hmm. he commits them over Tennessee, Miami, Florida State, and others. A top 300 player nationally. And their third highest ever recruit, I believe they've landed at USF. And after that one, they've rocketed up in on three's rankings up to number 68. And I looked at the other services. Rivals has them more favorably at 54. In the top sixty, obviously. So, nice coach Alex Golish doing a really good job there with his recruiting class. And that, by the way, in both serv- in all the services, all three of them on three rivals twenty four seven. USF has the number one recruiting class in the new look AAC, ahead of East Carolina, Tulane, and FAU. So wow, and for a team that was one and eleven, so this is a good sign. And, and it got a me thinking. Sign. By the way, we weren't. Uh, you went out to the. You were there at the uh, the golf tournament on Friday. On Friday yeah, and yeah. I was curious. You had any notes there? I saw you were doing the auction with Coach Golish. If you uh, you had any notes there to share from us from what you saw or learned? Yeah, it was a great uh, it was a great outing. You know, a lot of big hitters there. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, in terms of money, not not golfers, but there were some good golfers there as well. Um, uh, Steve DeBerg was there. I was hanging out with DeBerg for a little while. Speaking of DeBerg, we talked about him earlier uh, today. And uh, yeah, it's just it's. You could feel that there's a, there's a good energy there for USF. There's a really good energy, and you know, coach got up and and uh, fired up the crowd a little bit. Then I did my deal and uh, raised some money for for USF. We had, uh, you know, we sold two was it two tickets to the national championship and the pre party went for like four grand, which I thought was a steal. I could have <laughs> that was a steal. I wanted to buy them myself and turn them around, uh, and make double the money. Um, yeah, it was a it was a really really great event. It, unfortunately, it got rained out at the end. We almost all died from lightning strikes. I mean, the freaking storm that came in was unbelievable. But it also kind of forced everybody into the uh, into the uh, the area. The, the, and and we all just you know kind of had a lot of fel- a lot of fellowship. You know what I mean? Um, and it was fun. You got to talk to coach a lot of the uh, assistant coaches as well. I chatted with. And they've got a really good energy. They've got a really good energy. They've, they've brought in some serious talent. I was talking to a lot of the assistant coaches, and I, you know, I was asking it to them, asking about that, like these transfers that are coming in, and they're like, you know, this is something that USF, we really need to build on because kids want to play. And there are lots of kids at Tennessee, you know, South Carolina, Old Miss, you know, these, these SEC and ACC schools that are just that are good players that aren't, aren't, that are blocked by better players, and they want to come play football, and they want to come back to Florida. So I think this is a big part of, of the success, future success for USF. So their talent level 
hopefully is is jumped up a little bit. Yeah, and, um, uh, yeah. We did get we also got really good reactions from uh, your your interview with Michael Kelly there. Uh, from the tournament and BJ as well. I thought that was very well timed. I guess we yeah. got it there with that whole uh, that Pac-12 thing, which again that, we, that was crazy. Yeah, which again, like Michael kind of said, and it's obvious. I mean, he's, he, you're reaching out to every conference, right? right. It's kind of just going on. I mean, even like today, I think Arizona has their meeting, their board meeting to try to jet out of the Pac-12. So all these spots are opening up. So it's like you know USF. Hopefully, they get to the front of the line of that. And listen, and, and, you know, people will poo-poo the Pac-12. Oh, it doesn't work. The West Coast, blah, 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 blah. Look, look at, I mean, the conference you're in, you know. And I know the Pac-12 is going to change. Right. But it's, you're moving up. If, if, if it were, I don't think this is going to happen. But Michael Kelly is doing his due diligence. You know, UCF applied to every major, all five of the major conferences, including the Pac-12, when the paperwork was when, when applications were open, why wouldn't you, right? It's like, you know, like we had the conversation. You want to keep your resume updated for where, wherever the next opportunity is going to go. You don't want to leave any doors closed. I mean, USF is in no position to go, oh, no, we don't want the Pac-12. Right. <laughs> so you're in no position to do that. You're open for business, whatever it may be. You know, hypothetically, you have no idea what's going on. You may be in the Pac-12 for three years, and then something opens up in the ACC. Yeah, what happens if you go with, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you were a 1-11 football team, and obviously we pointed out on Friday, it's not just about the -the on-the-field product. It's the TV market size, size university, all those type of things. But what would it say if, like, you know, again, you are coming off a 1-11 season, if you're somehow able to get yourself into the Pac-12 with that, and then you get into the new-look Pac-12, whatever it is, maybe Coach Golish gets things going in a couple years, and then... by the success of the football team added in with the market, which would only expand, in my opinion, by going to the Pac-12 and in right. interest and money and all those type of things, then you get into the front of the line for the next round of expansion. I mean, exactly. I mean, you just there's no. Po- I mean, nobody knows where this thing is going, right? It's just you kind of have to just always stay very fluid through all of it, and you know, hopefully, it sounds like Michael Kelly and USF is doing that right now. Yeah, and, and you, it, it, in terms of having a guy in charge that is connected, well-connected in right. college football and knows everyone and can pick up the phone and call these folks. I mean, he worked at a high level in the ACC, ran the national championship for years and years. He's as connected in college football as anybody is. And having that guy there to be able to, that can call up, and you know, he doesn't have to just read the news reports because those are probably not well-sourced anyway because nobody's talking about this stuff on the record. So you got to go call the people that are making the decisions that know you and trust you. Right to to keep conversations confidential, so they'll be able to share some information with you that will help you make decisions. But the bottom line is, you got to put yourself in the best position to make the move. And people could say all they want, oh USF one eleven. It's not what it's about. It's about your facilities, your location, your TV market, what your what your possibilities are, what you can bring to the table. Nobody knows where you. I know this. USF was number two in the nation at one time. So don't tell me it can't be done. It can be done. UCF was nowhere, right? Look at them now. They're in the Big 12. There are people that, you know, 15 years ago said, you know, wait, UCF's getting into the Big 12. Well, here we are, right? So you you, you can't bait the stupidest thing to do is base it off a football record from one or two seasons. That's just dumb. It's one of the possibilities. This is the, uh, you know, one of the 25, 25 top, the biggest enrollment universities in America. It's now uh, an AAU uh, public university in terms of their academics. And that's a big thing, too, by the way. That's a big thing when it comes to these conference realignments. The ACC can look at that and go, oh, you know, this 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 is no slouch of a university, right? 
Um, so all these things play out. Now you have an on-campus stadium that's about to be built. So all these things come into it, and it's in the state of Florida, the talent-rich state of Florida, and the population-rich state of Florida in the 11th largest mar- right. media market in America. That is something. You want to sit here and talk about Boise State or San Memphis. Di- San Diego State. Or San Diego State. You know, they don't have any of that stuff. They may sound better, and they may have won more football games, but that's not what brings eyeballs and money to a television deal, which is the biggest mover uh, of all of these these conference alignments things. How much money can you bring to the television picture? And that's what it's all about. So, uh, All right, what did we miss today that we have not yet uh, hit, my friend? I think we hit mostly everything Bucks and Rays related for sure. We hit the U.S. women's soccer team with that happened last night. Uh, yep. And I think, yeah, for now, we hit USF there. We hit all our notes. So uh, just kind of looking forward. And we're at the end of the show anyway, so we're all good. But looking forward to hopefully seeing the Rays at a bat here in the next, how many more hours we got? Like six hours to go? Seven yep. hours? Um, Rays need to add a bat. Looks like the Orioles are all in on uh, Verlander. No, I just um, saw a surprise team has entered the Verlander sweepstakes, and it makes no sense to me. And it's the San Diego Pods. What? San Diego Padres. That's what, according to John Heyman, they're the mystery team that's in on Verlander. So it looks like they're not trading anybody. Money, yeah. Um, That's what spending money goes way too far, by the way. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Which we'll never have to worry about as long as Stu is the owner here. All All right. right. Our thanks to uh, Scott Reynolds who joined us today, TJ Reeves and Kurt Weiler. Thanks, you guys, so, so much for joining us. Remember, every day from 10 to noon, we are here, two hours of Tampa Bay Sports Talk. Tampa-centric sports talk, and you can find us on all the different platforms. Please share it. Tell all your friends.